I am going to officially welcome you to the final session of the Dance Med Truth series. Um, we saved the best for last, guys. We are talking about the truth behind scoliosis today. Um, it is one of the, and I know I say it for all of the subjects that we've talked about in the truth series, but it is probably the subject that I get the most concerns about or some of the most questions about. Um, there are so many things, and I could talk forever <laughs> about the details behind scoliosis, but we are going to cover some basic truths. There are definitely some basic pointers that I want to make sure that I cover. And yeah, we just want to get the word out about just that, the truth about scoliosis. So here we go. There's three main truths that I want to communicate just to make sure that um, we're just all on the same page and that just to empower you and to help you um, to have a better understanding about what scoliosis is and what it isn't, what it means and what it doesn't mean. So truth number one about scoliosis is that in most cases, and this is the case for most of our dancers and our dance students, in most cases, scoliosis is not a huge deal. That is thing number one. <laughs> that is truth number one. Um, I think sometimes um, in the medical community, and it, it, there's, there's not an easy answer for this, so what I'm about to say can go into a whole nother discussion. Um, I totally appreciate that in the general medical community, so in general doctor's offices, um, surgeon's offices, and things like that, there isn't a whole lot of time to have these sit-down talks and really educate um, dancers, educate their family members on what scoliosis like really is and what it means in the spectrum of care for the dancers. Um, a lot of times, and if you follow us on social media, you'll see, um, you'll see um, or stories of different dance moms who have come into our clinic and have felt so overwhelmed, they're nervous, they're like, they're borderline scared um, because they've been told that their dancer has scoliosis and like period, and that's it. No other explanation. Um, I hate that that happens. I'm not really mad at anybody in particular when that happens, but um, it still happens and there's still a big missing gap of education, okay? So the first thing I wanna make sure that everybody understands is that it's not a big deal. Truth number two, in most cases, it's temporary. And we'll talk about some factors in just a second as to what the temporary status of scoliosis is based on and what we can do about it. So that's truth number two. Um, truth number three, we're gonna go into it. There are reasons. Scoliosis does not just spontaneously happen. You don't just wake up and have a curvature. <laughs> there are reasons um, that these things happen. So, um, we're going to talk about that, what you can kind of do about it, or at least what you can keep your eye out for in terms of um, working and understanding scoliosis a little bit more. So just to recap, the three main truths are it's not a big deal. Most times it's temporary and there are reasons that you can do something about. So let's talk about that. What makes it here? Uh, what makes it temporary and what are the reasons? So. Top heavy hitters that I'm looking for with uh, dance clients or young dancers when they've been diagnosed with scoliosis or reasons why curvatures can exist. One, growing. 
So that's the biggest thing that, um, again, we don't take those couple of minutes to explain to dancers or to their parents. Everybody knows that the body in general, most of us know the body's not 100% symmetrical. What a lot of people forget is that we don't grow 100% symmetrically. So a lot of times, especially in our leg bones, one side will take off, which will shove up the hip in the pelvic alignment on one side, and then the spine just curves itself to kind of accommodate so that the end result is that we're still standing up straight and kind of not over to the side. So that's thing number one. A lot of times, uh, curves from scoliosis come from just the natural growing process. And usually, like we said, it's temporary. So at the end of the growth spurt, the other side catches up and the curvature neutralizes. So that's thing number one in terms of reasons for scoliosis. Number two, functional dominance. So if you've seen us on social media, we talk about functional versus structural scoliosis. There are rare cases, it is usually not your dancer. There are rare cases where there is a pathological or an actual bone uh, musculoskeletal disease related um, reason, even though they're getting a lot fewer in my book. <laughs> um, but there are like actual reasons where there's an actual structural issue that needs to be addressed. Uh, and that's what creates the curvature. That is 99% of the time, not your dancer and not your student. Usually functional dominance or functional curvature can occur when they have one side that they prefer to use, or a lot of times in our dance culture, we tend to get very right-sided in our classes, in our demonstration, in our marking. So one side of the body, one side of the spine and those corresponding muscles get overdeveloped versus the other side of the spine and those muscles don't really get as much of a focus. So we get built up on one side versus the other. So a lot of times the curvature is or comes into effect with um, I like to turn to the right or I prepare or I prefer, sorry, to turn to the right. But then it's also my right leg that I like to use as my gesture leg. So it likes to be in the air. So that builds up muscle tension on one side in one area more than the other. And that's where that accommodating curve comes from, build uh, differences in tension along the right versus the left side of the spine. So that's thing number two for reasons um, that scoliosis occurs. Still temporary, still can be worked out. The biggest thing that I end up working with <laughs> in my dance clients are organ issues. A lot of us are afraid to either even think about or talk about organs, but the kicker is <laughs> that spine, especially the mid to low back, has fascial connections to all of our organs, our liver, our small intestines, our large intestines, our stomach, pancreas, and spleen. So if you have a digestive issue, yeah, um, these adolescents, especially in America these days, we have a lot of adolescents who I've lovingly termed carbocheesitarians. <laughs> so they're heavy on carbs, they're heavy on dairy products, not so heavy on vegetables and fresh foods, uh, uh, yeah, fresh fruits, fresh vegetables, um, fresher, less processed meats. That can put a toll on the digestive system. I have a lot of dance clients who come to me constipated. I could have a whole session just talking about the truth about constipation. We probably should. <laughs> 
but when we're not getting um, the best nutrient support, we're not getting the best and freshest diet, that affects the ability for the intestines to move properly, for the liver to move properly, and therefore the fascia that connects those organs to the spine gets tight, it can pull in a certain direction, and that can also result in a curvature as well. So these are all big things that I'm looking at when I'm working with clients. Um, how do I look at that and how do I address them? I look at curvatures based on levels. So that's the other thing that I wanted to talk about in terms of the truth behind scoliosis. The level of the curvature can give you a clue as to what might be the solution to help resolving the curvature. Most times when we see x-rays or most times when we think about curvatures, we kind of just focus on the lower spine, the lumbar spine, and we're looking at pelvic height and hip level. So we see lots of x-rays with the big two elephant ear looking pelvic bones. And a lot of times there's a line drawn or there's a tension brought to the differences in the height of those pelvic bones. That's level one. Not level one in terms of like intensity, like good, better, bad, but level one, like the lowest area because it's at the lowest part of the back. So a lot of times that level one just across the hips, unevenness or slight curvature. Um, when a dancer has that, I usually think about functional dominance first, especially when they don't have other curvatures, other significant curvatures, I should say. So just coming in and looking at, you know, uh, hip level, if you've seen me talk about just coming in on the top of the hip bones and seeing like where your um, hand levels lie, if there's one that's slightly higher than the other, the first thing that I'm thinking about is functional dominance. So that's level one. Level two is if I come down on the dancer and feel and cut in at the base of their rib cage. So wherever their ribs stop, I look at that level as well. If there's a difference in level there, that's when I think about intestinal stuff, intestinal, yeah, mostly intestinal. That's when I think about constipation. That's when I'm asking the dancer, like, did you poop today? <laughs> because a lot of times it's in that intestinal area, which aligns with more like the upper lumbar spine that can pull a curvature in one direction or the other. And that's mostly where you see it versus at the bottom at the base, um, closer to the pelvic level. The last level that I look at is actually the angle of the shoulder blades. So you can feel like the bottom, and I usually do it with the base of my thumb, um, the bottom of each dancer's shoulder blade, and I look at that level as well. Not necessarily the winging, whether one is popping off, but actually if one bottom corner of the shoulder blade is higher than the other. If there's a height difference there, that's when I think upper digestive or upper, um, yeah, upper digestive type issues or tension. So an icky belly, they might get nauseated when they eat. If they're eating too much sugar, it might test, uh, tax the liver. So there might be some liver tension because the liver literally does sit like right up under the rib cage and the shoulder blades lie on the back of the rib cage. So if there's an issue with liver, it shifts up the rib cage, which shifts up that uh, shoulder blade. The point is not to necessarily make you an expert in diagnosing like any of those like digestive conditions or anything. The point is to let you know that you can look at curvatures at three different levels and you cannot freak out if you see a difference in one level versus another. They don't all have to be present. 
Um, and again, they're temporary. So when we do a little bit of a belly rub, if you guys uh, follow my social media, if you've seen my YouTube channel about like belly rub or the belly like lymph reset, just doing that for a couple of minutes and then going back and looking at rib level or shoulder blade level, you can see an instantaneous change. It's temporary. The body never hesitates to heal, guys, when you present it with the right solution. I know you've heard me say that before. So if that's part of the factor, you'll see a shift in the curvature right away. Um, at the pelvis, if there's a functional dominance issue, if you stabilize the other side, usually you wanna stabilize the side that's lower. If you stabilize the other side, you can very easily see a change in the curvature right then. So again, all of these things, and I'm hoping all of these points are really just um, pointing to <laughs> the overall conclusion that, again, those truths that we were talking about in the beginning, scoliosis does not have to be a big deal. Most of the time it's temporary, and there are strong reasons that are based or that create those curvatures that can be easily fixed and easily resolved. So you really have an opportunity to be able to educate your dancers, educate their family members, um, reduce some of their fears and anxieties, because a lot of times there's a message of, and it, it's borderline frustrating <laughs> personally, um, but sometimes there's just this, well, we'll just keep an eye on the curvature or we'll just keep an eye on the scoliosis. Why are you keeping an eye on it? Why don't you just do something about it? There are things that can be done about it. Don't just keep an eye on it and wait for it to get so bad that then they start talking about bracing. And then if bracing doesn't work, which is a whole bunch of, we're just gonna lock your body into one place and still not do anything. <laughs> That's how we define bracing here. Um, and if that doesn't work, then they start talking about some type of surgical intervention. All of that <laughs> can be easily mitigated just by understanding some basic reasons why curvatures um, uh, are created and some basic things that you can do to help reduce them. Most of the things that you can do to help reduce them lie in core, sta core stabilization or enhancing core stability on opposite sides based on where the um, curvature is and looking at basic gut health. Nine times out of 10, when you see those upper level curvatures, if you ask, those dancers have a gut issue. It doesn't have to be a life-threatening gut issue. They don't have cirrhosis. <laughs> you know, it's nothing that bad. But they probably didn't poop that morning or the last three mornings. They don't drink enough water. They get a little nauseated when they eat certain foods. Um, little things like that. That, if you don't have in your toolbox the ability to be able to help them with those types of things, you at least know people that you can reach out to. Yeah. Uh, and call for extra help. So there you go, guys, the truth, the ultimate truth of truths, the truth behind scoliosis. I hope you guys found this informative. You know where to find us. You know how to follow our social media. This concludes our truth series. So we hope you had fun and enjoyed all the information. We'll catch you on the flip side in some of our future workshops. You guys be good. Happy dancing.